tonight. Eight teenage girls accused of swarming and killing a man in downtown Toronto. Young suspects charged with murder. Three of them being 13, three of them being 14, and two of them being 16 years of age. The 59-year-old victim of a violent attack. She was a kind-hearted person. Travel chaos in B.C. from the roads to the runways. All of a sudden, one hour turns into 12 hours. The nationwide ripple effect of a severe snowstorm. Plus, the plastic ban now in effect. They're not recyclable. Uh, they end up as litter. The price of phasing out single-use products. At least double, even sometimes five times more expensive. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Morella Fernandez. Good evening. We begin tonight with the shocking allegations made against a group of teenage girls. They're too young to be identified, but police say they attacked a man in Toronto who later died in hospital. From what we've gathered so far is that they met each other through social media. We don't know how long they've been acquainted together with each other, but I wouldn't describe them as a gang at this point. Eight girls between the ages of 13 and 16 were charged with second-degree murder. CTV's Adrian Gobriel on the investigation. Police markers dot the scene of the latest alleged homicide to shock Toronto. These eight females um, range in age from 13 to 16, three of them being 13, three of them being 14, and two of them being 16 years of age. The deadly incident allegedly played out shortly after midnight on Sunday morning. They were arguing, they were screaming, they were yelling. Eyewitnesses tell CTV News that the victim, a 59-year-old man living in Toronto's shelter system, was sharing a drink with a woman when the alleged violence began. They were sitting on a bench, sipping booze out of a, out of a Mickey, having a cigarette. CTV News spoke off-camera with the woman who was with the victim. She claims the teenagers approached and tried to steal their bottle of alcohol. When they resisted, the eight young women allegedly attacked. It would be consistent with what we traditionally call a swarming or a swarming-type behavior. Police say the victim suffered from stab wounds and died shortly after being rushed to hospital. I simply can't think of any scenario that uh, comes anywhere close to this in terms of the numbers and the ages. Retired homicide detective Mark Mendelson says investigators will now focus on the role each one of the eight had in the alleged murder. How many different weapons, sharp-edged weapons, were used during the course of, of, this, uh, of, of this attack? Roberto Sanchez, who often holds the door at the nearby Tim Hortons, knew the victim well. He was a kind-hearted person. Everyone has their issues. But uh, all in all, I mean, uh, I didn't see him as a threat to no one. It's heart-wrenching. It's, you know, I just can't believe it. Investigators believe there's video evidence of the incident. They also say that the group of girls met online, though they're all from different corners of the city. What brought them here still remains a mystery. Morella? Unbelievable. Adrian, thank you. And there are still many questions to be answered about a mass shooting inside of a high-rise north of Toronto. For the first time, police are revealing details about the six victims shot by their neighbour. CTV's Heather Wright has more. A moment of silence for the five neighbours killed inside this Vaughn condo building. I'm um, obviously pretty shook up. 
took a while for it to hit. Today, police released the identities of the victims. Russell Manock and his wife, Helen Manock, who went by Lorraine, Navid Dada, Rita Camilleri, and Vittorio Panza, the grandfather of Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Victor Mete. Our hearts go out to the victims' families. Tonight, the Leafs paid tribute to the victims. These are real human beings who lived long lives, right? And on a Sunday night, were probably just in their homes like all of us were, um, you know, waiting to start the week. A sixth person, Doreen Danino, was also shot in the rampage, the wife of the president of the condo board. A bullet, John Danino, thinks was meant for him. Her life has changed forever. We cannot undo that here today. Speaking outside the hospital where his wife is being treated, Danino expressed his horror and grief. I want to express my condolences to the five people who lost their lives. Not only were they residents, they were my friends, every one of them. Police say 73-year-old Francesco Villi used a semi-automatic handgun to kill his neighbors. The victims were found in several units on multiple different floors. Billy had been embroiled in several lawsuits against the condo board for years, claiming the electrical room below his unit was making him sick. The local councillor went to visit Billy a month ago to try and help. Based on my observation, I have to conclude that uh, he probably uh, was seeing things that didn't seem to be there. Police are being tight-lipped and have yet to confirm a motive, calling this investigation complicated. Morella. All right, Heather, thanks for that. The mother of a young Ukrainian refugee killed in a hit and run in Montreal is sharing her grief in public for the first time. Um, she was a happy child, a child who loved life, and uh, um, she was going, uh, Helena was going through the um, pictures on her cell phone uh, recently, and uh, one of the last pictures was a selfie of Maria where she said, uh, I love Montreal and I'm here now. The seven-year-old girl had been in Canada only two months when she was struck by a car on her way to school last Tuesday. The first official day of winter begins in just minutes, but for millions of Canadians, winter has already arrived and with a wallop. Large parts of the country are under weather alerts. In the east, warnings of a high-impact winter storm for the holiday weekend. While in the West, extreme cold temperatures under a frigid Arctic air mass. And that bitter Arctic air caused havoc overnight when a weather system moving in from the Pacific slammed into it, dumping as much as 30 centimeters of snow on B.C.'s southern coast. CTV Bureau Chief Melanie Nagy now on the chaos and cancellations. Outside Vancouver International Airport, planes covered in ice and snow sit idle. Inside, long lines of stranded passengers fill departure and arrival halls. All the flights to Kelowna to all over BC got cancelled. It's, it's like a zoo in here. Exhausted, absolutely exhausted. During the busy holiday season, thousands were stuck after a powerful snowstorm slammed BC's south coast. Airport officials say the wicked weather cancelled an unprecedented number of flights and left numerous planes. It's getting real difficult to be on this plane. Full of people without a gate for several hours. We were given two cups of water over 12 hours. Jessica Campbell boarded her WestJet flight yesterday and spent an agonizing night waiting for a takeoff that never happened. People 
having panic attacks, yelling for doctors. Uh, there was a cat peeing on board. Someone was throwing up in the bathroom. The trouble all started after an extreme cold snap turned into a heavy snowfall. I'm on Robson Street in downtown Vancouver. It's around 6.30 in the morning. It's been snowing since late yesterday, and well, it's still coming down. By the time the storm eased mid-morning, some areas were blanketed by 30 centimeters of snow. I love the snow, but this is too much. It's hard to find any kind of transport. Yeah, we're not, re we're not prepared for this. With so much snow, commuting was extremely challenging. While major routes were open, many side streets were closed. Even those who make a living navigating snowy roads, like plow operator Ed Graff, this winter wallop was a nasty one. Please be patient, uh, give plows uh, plenty of room, and uh, we'll all get there safely. BC Ferries also cancelled sailings and Canada Post suspended deliveries. As for the airport, officials say it could take days before the backlog of cancelled flights is cleared. Morella? More waiting. All right, Melanie. Let's get to the ripple effect across Canada. Travelers in every major airport had to face flight cancellations and delays. When it snows in Vancouver, it's bad. At Toronto's Pearson Airport, a massive line of passengers from cancelled Vancouver flights tried to rebook. A similar scene playing out in Winnipeg, where travelers scramble to try and find some other options. We had a flurry of calls this morning, some people who were in Vancouver and Edmonton, uh, in Winnipeg with uh, cancelled flights. So yeah, we've been exceptionally busy uh, rebooking people. But for many passengers, there was nothing left to do but find a quiet place and wait. That storm's now headed south. American states are getting ready for it. Some airlines are already canceling flights. 30 states are under weather alerts. The storm expected to affect 100 million Americans. Blizzard-like conditions with high winds and 30 centimeters of snow are already pummeling Washington state. A preview of what's expected to roll across the U.S. this week and into the weekend. A state of emergency was declared tonight in part of Northern California, where the rumbling of an earthquake was felt in the early morning hours. Tremors in the state are common and don't often cause much damage, but this one did and is being blamed for the deaths of two people. SCTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters reports. Separating full bottles from broken ones and scraping up debris with a snow shovel in Ferndale, California. It was pretty terrifying. My phone started going off saying there's an earthquake. An earthquake with a magnitude of 6.4 shook the coast of Northern California overnight, emptying shelves and shattering windows. Over Highway 211 at Bridge is closed due to bridge damage. Some of the cracks in the pavement were quick to repair. The crack in this house will take longer. Ginger Porter lost her fireplace. We were woke up by a big roar and things falling off the wall, hitting us on the head. And what looks like a deck at Darren Gallagher's house used to be part of the roof. Whole front porch fell off. There's a dirt bike over there holding up that end. Wendy Pickett lost things that can't be replaced. Oh, my grandmother's china. So much fell out. Many found themselves dealing with the chaos in the dark. At this point, there's some 71 thousand people that still are without power. Gas lines have been shut off and in the town of Rio del water is out too. The 
system has uh, numerous breaks in the main trunk lines. The quake is thought to have originated on the boundary between the Juan de Fuca and Pacific Plates. It's a very common source of, of magnitude 6s and 7s, uh, but offshore, so it's rare that there's much of any damage. And even in a place used to smaller quakes, it's rare to be hit this hard. We do feel a lot of 3.54 earthquakes, but uh, to get a 6.4, it's really significant. In fact, it's the strongest quake in California in more than three years. And the area has been shaken by dozens of aftershocks. Morella? Keeping a watch, Tom. Thank you. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will reportedly be in Washington tomorrow for a joint session of Congress. It would be his first visit outside of his country since the Russian invasion began 300 days ago. But today, Zelensky once again ventured to the front lines. This time, he was in the eastern city of Bakhmut, which has seen some of the worst fighting and carnage in the conflict. There, he handed out medals to try and boost morale. Our men and women who served in the military turned to Veterans Affairs for help when they need it. But instead of support, some were offered help to end their lives. Tonight, the caseworker who made that offer to at least four veterans no longer works for the department. Former soldier Christine Gauthier told a Commons committee earlier this month she was offered an assisted death. Veterans Affairs isn't saying if the employee resigned or was let go. The first phase of an ambitious plan to eliminate disposable plastics from daily life is now in effect. Manufacturing and importing single-use plastic is banned, but you'll continue to see them at stores for now. CTV's Judy Trent explains. Every year, Canadians throw away more than 3 million tons of plastic waste. It ends up in our landfills and our waterways. The Prime Minister first promised a ban on single-use plastics in 2019. Now, finally, concrete action. It's in our soil. It's been found the top of mountains. It's been found the bottom of lakes. It's in the air we breathe. Um, and now humans are also becoming polluted with plastic. Regulations were delayed a year by the pandemic. But starting today, businesses will no longer be allowed to manufacture or import checkout bags, plastic cutlery, takeout containers, stir sticks and straws. By next summer, six-pack beverage rings will also be banned. The government says this will eliminate 1.3 million tons of hard-to-recycle plastic waste annually. Businesses will have a year to use up their remaining supplies and find alternatives like this. These are made out of actual coffee bean shells. The ban is opening doors for Ilesh Parjimwala, who sells food packaging. We've been gearing up for this for the last seven years. Uh, we've eliminated foam over the last six years, and we've been really looking forward to finding the entire market ready and willing to accept more eco-friendly products as we move forward in this ban. But there are concerns mom-and-pop stores reeling from two years of COVID restrictions won't be able to bear the cost of biodegradable options. We still have a lot of our membership with pandemic debt, also with pandemic stress. So adding these new initiatives that could be costly. The items banned account for less than 5% of total non-essential plastics produced in this country. Canada has a goal of hitting zero plastic waste by 2030. Marilla, getting there will require a much longer list. Judy Trin tonight in Ottawa. A First Nation in southern Ontario has declared a state of emergency after the level in the community's water tower hit an all-time low. 
Oneida Nation is asking people to halt all non-essential water use and is trucking in bottled water. The community normally uses a local river which is running lower than usual. With climate change and severe weather events, with low water levels on, in the Thames River, um, these are all uh, cumulative impacts. Oneida has been under a boil water advisory since 2019 and has been calling on Ottawa to help for more than a decade. Time for a two-minute break. When we come back. For all the boring days of your life, then comes an insurrection. Documenting the dramatic hours of January 6th. Plus... You'd have to try to hit them with the arrow. Learning science in the study of Indigenous culture. A 97-year-old woman, once a secretary at a Nazi concentration camp, has been convicted of being complicit in the murder of more than 10,000 people. Ermgard Ferkner, called the Secretary of Evil in German media, worked at the Stutthof concentration camp in Poland when she was a teenager. A German court today handed her a two-year suspended sentence in what could be the last such trial for Nazi war crimes. An American filmmaker trying to capture political history in Washington instead found herself at the center of an attack on democracy. Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra, was in the U.S. Capitol January 6th and spoke to CTV's Richard Madden about the film that captures three decades of her mother's life, including those terrifying times. I have been two steps behind you. When filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi started her behind-the-scenes documentary about her mother, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she didn't expect to cover an insurrection. Look at the protesters outside the Capitol. There were thousands of days where nothing happened. And then there was January 6th. Those are the boxes. Instead of showing the Speaker's traditional role, certifying election results, Pelosi captured the chaos as security whisked her mother and top lawmakers away from the angry mob to a secure military base far from the Capitol. Inside the bunker, Pelosi says congressional leaders were planning an alarming backup plan if the violence couldn't be stopped. They were going to certify the election results that day from an army base. They were going to bus in the House and the Senate and do it right there. You would be the only person with a camera to record that for the historical record. Right, that's a scary thought. Imagine the conspiracy theories that would have come out of that. Her footage was used by the January 6th committee in their case against former President Donald Trump for inciting the insurrection. I was born into a family that was fiercely patriotic. The film tracks Pelosi's political successes and controversies spanning more than three decades, showing rare personal moments like doing laundry while on a call with a former vice president. Thank you, Madam Speaker. But the violent attack against Paul Pelosi inside their home was when the family decided to leave politics. When we were sitting in the ICU with my father, that was when we were basically like, we're done. You know, we're just done. Pelosi doesn't think her film will inspire people to enter politics. If anything, it shows what it takes to survive it. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. And you can see that documentary, Pelosi in the House, on Crave TV. Still ahead, the atmosphere in Argentina. Colossal crowds for a World Cup homecoming. Exuberant fans, millions of them, crowded into central Buenos Aires to welcome their World Cup team. 
But the street got so chaotic, the victory parade got pulled. Players had to abandon an open-top bus because it couldn't move through the swarm of fans. And at one point, two people tried to jump off a bridge and into the bus. One of them landed on the pavement. The team had to board helicopters and do a flyover instead. We have our first look at the new English banknote with King Charles III. New 5, 10, 20, and 50-pound bills are being printed, but won't go into circulation until 2024. But the British Royal Mint has already started to release coins featuring the new king, referred to as a sovereign on a sovereign. After the break, a culture of discovery. It is mathematical genius. The science behind the igloo and other marvels of indigenous ingenuity. We leave you tonight with an exhibit exploring unique and timeless indigenous innovation. On tonight's Indigenous Circle, CTV's Donna Sound with some teachable moments. These kids are learning about a culture many of them don't know much about. <laughs> Indigenous ingenuity explained, like the kayak. The brilliance of the design is to be able to sit low and be able to keep your center of gravity low. And the physics of an igloo. It is mathematical genius. Two, one, oh. The exhibit at the Ontario Science Centre is a group effort by Indigenous knowledge keepers with more than 65 activities. This particular exhibit has had over 100 people contribute to its contents and that creates a lot of pride within the community which is critical to the era that we're in of truth and reconciliation. Like this lesson in hunting. There was like animals, shadows on the wall and you'd have to try to hit them with the arrow and you would get a point if you get it. It's also interactive. With a tap, with this electronic bracelet, you were brought into a world of Indigenous teachings. The Lukukon Cree have been here since time immemorial. Connecting the natural world with science. Nice. It's great that now the students get to interact and see how the world is through the Indigenous eyes. This travelling exhibit will move on to Halifax next year but it began in Montreal at its Science Centre. It was a great opportunity to present the contribution, the, the very important contribution of the Indigenous people in our history. A lesson providing the experience of walking in another culture's shoes. Donna Sound, CTV News, Toronto. That's a wrap on the day. I'm Morella Fernandez. For Omar and all of us here at CTV National News, thanks for sharing your time, and we'll see you again tomorrow.